Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of The Bit Effect. After last week's recording we realized we didn't do a proper introduction to everybody so this week we're going to go ahead and do just that. My name is Dave and these fine gents with me are Luke. Hi there. Craig. Hey. Kev. Hello everybody. And Mike. Hello. So we decided probably the best way to uh, introduce ourselves without going on a long spiel is just kind of share some of our favorite gaming memories. These don't necessarily have to be related to a game, like the time you got the hook shot in Zelda or anything. It's just, you know, gaming memories that, that make this hobby special to us. And um, you'll want to pay very close attention because when the trading cards release, you can pick your favorite one. <laughs> now, Luke, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what comes to mind? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Luke. I'm, I'm from Scotland. I've been gaming since I was maybe six I was a huge Sega kid when, when I was younger. I got a Master System when I, I think I was about six. And um, yeah, I've just kind of progressed from there. Um, played a lot of games with my brother on the on the Master System and then it moved on to the Genesis or the Mega Drive as uh, we'd call it over here, Dave. Weird ass. <laughs> I tend to play RPGs now, but when I was younger it was more more fighting games that kind of drew my attention. I really loved like Street Fighter and things, and whilst I didn't have a Nintendo console to play it on, and the Street Fighter port was terrible on the Mega Drive. Oh, you didn't like hitting the start button to kick? <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> yeah, kind of, I progressed on the, to Nintendo later on, maybe um, got an N64 quite late in the cycle, and then moved on to the GameCube, and had some real good times there. Most of my gaming's been on the console, but I kind of got washed away in that whole World of Warcraft thing in MMOs when they came out, and uh, that took up a huge chunk of my gaming time. So I'm now back on the consoles, working my way through some games I've missed through remasters and classics. And One of the fondest memories I have is playing video games with my dad when I was about maybe six to 10. He bought me a Master System for my Christmas, and we just continued to play games together. I wasn't very good at them, he completed both of them and I just kind of watched. Some of the highlights were Sonic the Hedgehog. I've got really good memories of the, the level in space, which is the last one I think, and uh, beating the, the Silver Sonic. Alex and Miracle World, that was another one uh, that, was, that was really cool. I remember we got stuck on one level for ages and then I finally figured it out with my brother and uh, we both stopped until my dad got home from work and uh, finished it off together which was really cool oh that's cool yeah i mean does your is your dad a gamer or is, is was it just kind of this this one instance i got him into gaming via the master system and um, he used to sit and watch me play it and then he started to play it he was really keen into games like prince of persia and then it went on to like desert strike and jungle strike and then um he got Red Alert on the, the PC, and that's all he plays. He's been playing that since it came out. Um, <laughs> well, he's got good taste, at least. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he bought a Windows 10 laptop uh, last year, and I ended up having to put Windows 7 on it <laughs> so that he could still play Red Alert because it's not compatible. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, he, he won't play the 3D ones. It's all the 2D ones. and uh, You look at them now, and they're so pixelated and horrible on a big screen, but yeah, I think he hit his peak for Red Alert. It's uh, it, it's cool though. It's it's really cool to have, you know, like none of none of my other uh, my uncles or my grandparents or anything are interested in games at all. So it was really good to have that that moment where my dad wanted to enjoy something with me like that. 
Yeah, when, once it was past the uh, Atari 2600, my dad just kind of shrugged and went, "It's there's two buttons now. I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, yeah, I was the only person in the family who liked playing games, and it was, it was, everybody would just kind of pat me on the head and go, that's nice you saved the princess. Now go away. Go away. <laughs> well, that's a great sad memory to start us off with, Luke. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Craig, Craig, you gotta you gotta brighten us up. Give, give me something from your past. Right, I'm Craig. I'm from Scotland as well. I um, started gaming quite late in childhood. I was a bit of a poor kid. Um, didn't have a console right through till mid nineties into late nineties. It was my friends that had like an N six. One of my friends had an N sixty four. This is a bit of a, a, a happy memory of mine, but it was at Christmas going round to his and playing GoldenEye multiplayer split, split screen oh, was like mind-blowing. It was absolutely a mind-blowing experience. Up until that point, it was like we were scrapping for a shot of whatever any game anyone had. But at that point, I think something clicks and it was just it was a, a perfect moment in my gaming history. So from then, I basically pleaded to get an N64 and um, was promptly told where to go um, <laughs> which was which was nice, you know, it kind of happens I can understand, now looking back I can understand because they were quite expensive things and it wasn't, wasn't a rich family or anything like that so, whatevs um, it, it fostered all these good memories in, in gaming, so my, my first console was a pretty late on Mega Drive with a Mega CD which was just Ooh, so the Mega Drive 2, was, was it? The, the miniature one, yeah. the smaller form one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. with the, the clicky on CD thing and um, unfortunately not having parents who gamed um, at all, I ended up with Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> which, you know, yeah, you can't really, at this point when you've finally got what you wanted, you can't complain about having to be a dolphin. And I just remember going to the very right-hand edge of the level and trying to jump over the rock time and time and time again. I could never quite get over that bitter boulder in the sea. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it's just, it was a few Mega Drive games here and there. And I mostly strayed back into PC gaming. Um, I was quite PC, um, more techy, buildy PC as opposed to a gamer. But I do remember installing the, um, oh, when would it have been? 96, 97, 98 maybe? The Grand Theft Auto demo that was a time-limited oh, demo yeah. that lasted five minutes. And then it just kicked you back Jeez. to start. So you just had time to quickly rob a car, try and run over some people that shouted, Guranga! And then get to a telephone in time to take one mission. And that five-minute demo must have lasted me about a year. Just playing it time after time after time after time. It was absolutely a uh, bless. Bless it was. So yeah, I was a pretty late late bloomer when it came to gaming. After that, I went off to uni and didn't get back into gaming until PlayStation 3. I didn't have a PlayStation 1. I didn't have a PlayStation 2. So it was a PlayStation 3 and it was... That was me. It's kind of funny because um, I, I don't... I remember like being massively into Warcraft and I came around to your place and we played, uh, was it Far Cry Primal? And then like two weeks later I bought PlayStation 3 as well. Oh yeah. Oh, do you know something? Do you know something? The PlayStation 3 was an eye-opener for me because it was the first time I had a bit of freedom to buy games that I wanted and 
play everything and it yeah, was just yeah. that was when I really kind of hit the ground running so yeah late bloomer but yeah that, that's that's a real monkey's paw curse thing it's like I want a game system no problem but you're stuck with Echo the Dolphin yeah yeah <laughs> it was it was it was pretty gun and I do remember I do remember this is like fuzzy memories back playing games at, at friends houses like Streets of Rage and Altered Beast. I always remember being really enamoured with Altered Beast because you could do that thing where you kind of shot from side to side and tried to kill that thing with all the eyes. And I remember yeah. playing that and thinking, I need this in my life and I've got a <laughs> dolphin. A classic. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I doubt many kids were keen for the I'll trade you Altered Beast for Echo the Dolphin. Uh, yeah, no, that that was a that was a non starter. It was just it was disappointing. I had plenty of Lego. That's what more do you need? It's hardly <laughs> Sonic, is it? It's not really Sonic. It's not even Alex Kid. Uh, I never yeah. I didn't, I didn't even get to experience Alex Kid. But I did. I did have my. I, I had. I had friends who had things, so I did get to play all these things. But it was very much. That's what got me into it was playing with friends, and that's what I still enjoy to today. It's like playing with you people, and and having <laughs> shared you moments. People? Yeah, you people, as in you people, as in you guys. Did we ever finish Echo then? No, no, God didn't. <laughs> Seriously, oh, you, you got to go back and finish it, man. Even, I mean, the guy's a dolphin, and it's you could just shoot sound waves out your nostrils. It was like, oh, awful, awful game. Oddly enough as well, I did have a cousin who had a Super NES, and she let me have a shot of Super Mario, and I do, I do remember I had one shot of it once in life, and I remember it being a mind-blowing thing as well, so... Yeah, happy memories that other people own. My first memories of gaming, I'm sure you'll be fed up of hearing me speak about point-and-click adventure games, is playing point-and-click adventure games. Um, <laughs> of course. Obviously, through LucasArts and Broken Sword. But the bet, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when I was a kid and you played these games, there was not really an a easy access to a walkthrough or the internet, or YouTube to go and find, you know, the solution to a puzzle. So it was weeks of hard grafting to get through puzzles, and you'd be, like, talking about it on the playground at school. You'd be like, oh, how, how did you get past that goat and broken sword? And it'd be, like, absolute, an achievement to get through a game. Whereas these days, I think even now, it, it's kind of disappointing in a way where you can there's a hint system built in, and you can hold down a button and it will show you what you can click on in a game like that. And I think that ruins it slightly. So for me, back in the day, point-and-click point games were the bomb. It's just warm, fuzzy, fond memories of them. I don't have the patience to play those types of games now, so I certainly couldn't have uh, persisted with the games back then. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I can't do that anymore. Like, I'm glad there's universal hits, hint systems and things like that now. I think, yeah, um, the the lack of point and click these days is a wee bit disappointing as well. I know everyone, I mean, is it safe to say everyone loved Broken Age? Or did everyone just hate it and it was only me that liked it? I I, I couldn't wait to finish it. I persisted, but um, with walkthroughs, I, I, I lost the patience with it, but I was determined yeah. to finish it. 
I uh, spent half an hour eating cereal and going around on a roller coaster before I could figure it before I figured out you could switch character and then I just turned it off <laughs> I'm like how many times do I have to eat this bowl of cereal before it'll progress <laughs> I mean that's the thing it, it never actually explicitly said you could pick change character and at the start when you could select one character or the other you kind of thought that was you off in a wee adventure so I, th- yeah. I think I did the same kind of thing um yeah, okay, fair enough, fine. Yeah, I mean, I, it was almost the same thing with the cave. It was like, I, I, you know, toyed around with it for a half hour or so, and I was like, this is cool, just not for me. Okay, no, yeah. I'd, I'd rather enjoyed the cave as well. I think I'm quite boring. I think what I'm doing these <laughs> days is I'm going after old glory and, the, old, the you know, the good old days when, you know, games were good type thing. When in reality, um up a creek without a paddle because all they're doing is remastering all old games well i mean there's still a fair share of really good games coming out yeah they're just not point and click yeah yeah well yeah yeah point and click you're pretty much what is it double fine and that's it mm-hmm but, um they're re-releasing full throttle next year now yeah uh con- well con- i don't know much about pc end of it either mm-hmm. so i i don't know Anyway, that is the that la- I promise you that is the last I am going to talk about point and click adventure games for a good fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay, good fifteen minutes apiece. Yeah, uh, Kev, anything you'd like to share? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm uh, the third Scotsman. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the official third. Yeah, official officially the third the third, ever. No, just yeah, number three. Well, my first console, if you like, was the tw- uh, Atari. 2600. I think it was a junior. It was called. Um, I think, it, and it came out in came out in '86. But I don't, I don't think it was '86. I got it. I might have been five or six. So I mean, it was maybe a few years after it came out. And then I don't have an awful lot of memory of it, to be honest. Obviously, the the standard kind of centipede games and stuff like that. Um, but generally, I've said my my first kind of big game in. Uh, at home experience with it being on the the Super NES, which came with uh, the scope, the Super Scope. Oh yeah, the Super which Scope. Was a bit, yeah, it was a bit a bit of a bit of a beast uh, for a, a peripheral like size wise, but yeah, it was just the Super Six. I think it was Super Scope Six game that I got with it. I didn't really play any any of the other scope games for it, but uh, yeah, that was my first kind of big kind of like gaming at home kind of experience and probably the narrow highlight was uh, getting Street Fighter 2 for the Super NES which um, I still had up until recently but I seem to have misplaced it. Yeah I remember when I got Street Fighter 2 that, that was that was a wonderful day. I mean I, th- I think when it came out it was what six it was like six sixty pounds I think when it came out so it's at about I don't know eighty dollars ninety dollars something like that Someone's cheap. Oh, wow. It was it was sixty. I mean, it was sixty pounds in the UK when it came out because I remember, and I was like, "Wow, sixty! <laughs> like even by today's standards, that's expensive." Like, yeah, I, I didn't have to buy my my copy of Street Fighter Two. I swiped it from a family member. Yeah, it was it was made all the better by the fact that there's a crime associated with it. <laughs> I guess a lot of the the bulk of my youth 
gaming-wise, was on Super NES. It certainly lasted a long time. It was good value for money, certainly. There was plenty of games for it, and good games at that. Certainly, the, like, the Star Wars games and stuff were, were particularly favourites of mine as well. Oh, like, like Super Star Wars and Super Empire? Yeah. Yeah, those those suckers are hard, too. Yeah, they are. Yep. I mean, I think they had a passcode system for for saves, or was it for levels? I think a lot of the games back then they did the kind of codes for jumping to levels. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm I'm Mike. I'm uh I'm originally from the northwest of of England. As a as as a kid, I sort of um I I didn't really start off on games. I um I think my dad wanted me to play play sports. I think uh I I actually did for a little while. Um after a short while, I had an an older brother who was a bit of a I don't know. He he did skateboarding and stuff like that. He he um he used to bring over copies of Star Wars on VHS and one one weekend he brought over a, a master system with um I don't know the, the pretty much the first wave of uh, master system games so we had all these weird little like credit card looking cartridge thing <laughs> oh yeah 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 the the original like mark mark 1 so it had like a what my hero spy versus spy uh, this game called Zillion, which I, I can't really even remember playing too much. Oh, I like Zillion. Yeah, that's like one of the few Master System games that was pretty good. It was pretty much a good start to go from, really. So, um, you know, uh, I think I must have been about five at this time. So uh, I think it was just a year later. I had an operation on my ear because I have, I have sort of like partial hearing in my left ear. Or I did. And I, had a, I had an operation, like a grommet put in my ear. And as as I woke up from the sleep, being the being the sport bugger I am, my mum my mum arrived with a copy of a, a brand new Game Boy, just released one week before the operation. Oh man! But, and uh, what Mario Land Tetris? Nice one. And uh, I think it was Wizards and Warriors X, which I don't think is actually the tenth in the series. No, yeah, yeah, it was a weird oddball thing. Yeah, so I I I had an awesome collection of stuff to play when when I was young. Um, yeah, so it, it used to be a case of going over to my mates' houses. We'd all all switch games over every weekend. It'd always be swapping games. You'd be, you know, you can borrow this till Tuesday. Can I come to your house? That guy's got uh, Streets of Rage. Let's all go over to his. Look, besides, his mum gets him microchips every day. So that's <laughs> cashback. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty much it. So for for years, we'd just always go to each other's houses. One guy'd have the Immortal. Another guy'd have Desert Strike. Another guy'd have Road Rash. Someone else would have a, you know, something like Contra on the Mega Drive, and it was all always crazy. It was all about swapping games constantly, taking them to the exchange, getting changed over, all all sorts. And then, uh, to top it off, my dad, uh, my dad actually worked for um like a glass company, and they they gave him um what was it a three eight six a PC. Oh wow! A couple of years later, they bumped him up to a four eight six, and I got to play a a shareware games like Doom. And Wolfenstein 3D and stuff. Oh man, you like the fortunate son. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very very fortunate, definitely. But um, yeah. So then f- further to that, I had a, a cousin who lived on the very very south of the country in a in a place called Torquay, and I used to go down there playing um playing the arcade games as well. So uh, ever ever since all of, all of that, I guess I I got the g- golden years of of my lifetime anyway. So uh, yeah, I just continued to play. I kind of want your childhood, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> right, Dave, that's enough about us. What about you? Well, I'm kind of the stereotypical kid from the 80s. I, I grew up 
um, always having games around. Like my um, my father, like I said, was a big fan of the Atari, and I remember watching him play Enduro, and that's probably my earliest memories. He would just lay on the bed and watch my dad play Enduro on the uh, 2600. And it wasn't until I want to say my third birthday, so that makes it like 1988-ish, that um, uh, I, I was like the Nintendo 64 kid. Uh, Christmas morning, come running down the stairs, and then there's the uh, the Nintendo... What was it called? Um, it, was, it was the big set that came with the power pad and, and the zapper and all that stuff. Oh, the auction set. Yeah, the action set. There you go. And um, other than making you look really stupid, that, that power pad was a lot of fun. But uh, I, I grew up just playing Nintendo. I mean, I had that one weird kid who had the Master System, because it was kind of the oddball thing over here. And I was like, ha, you have Alex Kid. I got Mario. Well, <laughs> too bad for you, buddy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, most of my childhood was spent in front of the TV. If I wasn't outside running around, it was, it was easily playing Nintendo. And, I mean, I, I fully bought into the whole Nintendo thing. I mean, I mean, I every day would watch the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, and I had Super Mario Brothers calendars. And One birthday, my uncle even dressed up as Mario, and I giggled like a little girl. I mean, it, it was just <laughs> Nintendo was my childhood. It's funny hearing that, because I, I was the same with uh, Sonic and Sega. Like, I had the Sonic bad covers and the oh, yeah. Sonic posters in my bedroom and stuff. So it's, it's cool. Like, I think that's pretty standard in like the UK for Sega to be the yeah just because the price point in Nintendo I think it was yeah Master System Sonic bed covers those ergonomic <laughs> controls blue hair oh yeah no, no. <laughs> so Mike anything else you'd like to share yeah so my my first first big memory of uh, of games was um was was regarding a, a like a a birthday party I had actually back in a back when I was about eight so it must have been uh about the same time that well just just after um Street Fighter 2 came out originally so um <clears throat> I had I had a SNES at the time me and my brother got it as a, a Christmas present between us we got what Street Fighter 2 and Wrestlemania I think it was and we and then when when it came around to my birthday I was thinking you know what these games are here to stay because I mean Street Fighter was the game that got me, you know, pretty much on board. And I knew what my hobby was from that point. So, so I decided. Well, my parents, being the, being the very, uh, very thoughtful folk they are, decided to throw me a birthday party where we went to a, a small shop in a place called Sale, which is in Manchester, and and they rented out um, two Mega Drives. And then they let me invite about 15 people from school over to the house for a, a full Saturday of sitting in one, sitting in two different rooms, the living room and the front room, with two, two Mega Drives in the back room, a Super Nintendo in the front room, and a Game Boy, I think, on the staircase. So, so there'd be all these kids just constantly running backwards and forwards between two rooms with a birthday cake in the middle. All playing what, <laughs> Alien Storm in one corner, um, S- Street Fighter Two in another corner, a little bit of uh, what Golden Axe somewhere else, and then someone else would be playing my copy of a uh, Link's Awakening. So it was a, it was quite quite the experience. I, I don't know. I, I I can't even remember what I got for my birthday that year. All I know is that that's that's stuck with me forever. Basically, there were. 
you know the the kids who you, you meet at school they go on to be quite successful you, you never say a single word to them again you might see him once in public and you'll think i saw i know him but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna walk up to him but they, these were the same kids who even came to that party then and it was that it was that that crazy it was just odd because it was like you know games at that time they were they were sort of new but they were sort of frowned upon at the same time so it was like is he weird yeah. for playing games? Is he not weird? We're, we're not sure. But everyone came together for that one day for that birthday party, and uh, and it was amazing. It was my first first experience of like you know, free multiplayer games going on at the same time in the same house, and I was like, wow, this is this uh, you know, that's not something I'd see until until pretty much the internet became mainstream later on, or the N sixty four even. But no, crazy crazy stuff, and uh really formative of my my times i've never had a, a social event ever in in my gaming history i'll tell you what mike i'm pretty sure that if you had offered me that deal i would have killed both of my brothers to have that <laughs> i'm gonna guess no one else ever did that ever anywhere <laughs> <laughs> no i mean the closest we had was like um uh, you know birthday trips to chuck e cheese which i don't think you guys would have those right no 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 we don't have those there was a place called White City. It's opposite a little-known football team called Manchester United Football Ground called Old Trafford. <laughs> a little one? They, <laughs> and they they actually had a Ridge Racer, Tekken, and all sorts. I remember one guy went for like a, a bowling birthday, and it involved everyone just spending all the money they had spare fighting on uh, the first Tekken, every single person choosing uh, law, I think it was. Really, law? I was a Paul kid. Even this day, it's all about Paul. Paul's spirit was that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's memory when I'm born. I gotta say, it's, you know, that that might beat every single one of mine. Uh, Kev, what about you? Another gaming memory I've got, and it's a, it's a bit of an odd one because I never actually owned the system, and it was kind of like a like a brief uh, experience I had with it. But um, I remember an uncle of mine had a, a Panasonic 3DO. And uh, I, I remember playing wow. some, uh, I was like pinball games and stuff for it. And I think, I think I'm sure Road Rash, uh, Road Rash was out for it. I'm pretty sure it was. But he was the kind of like uncle, and he had like all these kind of really weird. He, he was kind of like a bit of a like a gadget kind of guy, and he just kind of like he wasn't. I wouldn't even have said he was a gamer as such. He just seemed to like buy buy it because it was like probably the latest thing at the time. Um, I think it was. I think it came out in ninety three ish, maybe ninety four ish. I think there was. I think there was other kind of like other versions of it was released. I think it was maybe like Sanyo and Gold Star. But, um, but it was a Panasonic one he had. Yeah. yeah, it was Panasonic one he had, and I still remember just like visiting visiting one kind of weekend, and I was like, "Wow, what's this thing?" I think it might actually have been. It might have been the first disc or it was one of those kind of early disc systems i think because i think at the time it was still being I'm trying to remember it was the n64 was wasn't until maybe like 90 was it 96 i might be wrong could yeah. be wrong seems to ring a bell though yeah i think that was like one of the first kind of disc disc systems that was out and uh i think that was part of the kind of fascination with it, it was like games on cds and stuff yeah, but that was a bit of an odd one. It kind of sticks in my mind just for that reason that it was it was kind of like a a kind of early CD kind of um, based console. 
And uh, yeah, it was kind of way out of my reach. I think it was probably out of reach for quite a lot of people because it didn't really sell well because I think it was quite a high-priced uh, piece of kit. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. I, I want, and I could be wrong on this, but I want to say it was close to like six, seven hundred dollars. Because I think the PS3 is the only one to outdo it in terms of price. Yeah. But that's because it was a multimedia player. It'll serve all of your needs. Yeah. Yeah, it sunk kind of fast over here too. Yeah. So that's 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 probably that's that's another gaming memory that I have. That's it's a bit of a, an odd one because I never actually owned it. But yeah, it certainly stuck in my mind all these years. But uh, I don't even think it's a game that I, uh, console that I've kind of went back to even even in my emulation days because um, the the games are quite clunky from what I remember. Yeah, there, there's very few reasons to buy a 3DO. I mean, Gex, if if you're really into those kind of things, Gex is all right. Uh, playing things like Dragon's Lair, yeah, that's okay on a 3DO stuff like that, but not really anything. It's like all right, I'm gonna sit down and play this for ten hours. Most of my memories, um, when I start thinking about it, are actually fairly recent. And I think it's because, you know, now I have enough disposable income to buy pretty much what I want. Not exactly when I want it, but, you know, pretty much when you what you want. And uh, I remember uh, I, I have a friend who, um, he lives a couple states over from me. And uh, once a year he would come over and he would spend a week at my house. And uh, uh, it was pretty much just 24 hours a day gaming, nothing but, because we could never play, you know, like, local games together or work through weird games like Skull Monkeys together. You know, just just had a great time. And um, the, the last time he came, we, um, since we're both pretty big uh, fighting game fans, we had the, uh, the, the fighting game championship of the world. <laughs> of course, now I sound like I'm six years old, but but we uh we opened. <laughs> I have two um of those Street Fighter tournament sticks, and so we each had the arcade setup, and we went through Wayne and we played a hundred fighting games. Nice. Um, first to three wins. It it took all day, and by the end we were pretty much just slamming our heads on the buttons, going ah you won, whatever. <laughs> but I mean and we 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 went through some of the weirdest games like Time Killers or um. Fallen Angels and and just all these weird fighting games, and and that's something that will stick with me forever because that was so much fun. I don't even know if I remember the score of who won or not, but yeah, I mean it was it was just huh, that looks like a fighting game. Let's let's, let's give it a shot. You had access to a hundred odd fighting games. Oh, in Maine? Oh yeah, there's 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 probably what do you think, Kev? Probably a couple, maybe a thousand. Yeah, I mean it's too much to it's too much to count to be honest there. You kind of just like yeah, there's obvious there's obvious ones, obviously like the Street Fighter kind of series and stuff, and then there's the kind of like the I wouldn't say obscure kind of ones, but like obscure to me is like some of the King of Fighters and stuff. I mean, it was I think I think that's more probably more of a Japanese um, audience that that's aimed at. I think. But I never really touched them, and then there's some really odd, obscure ones that you might just accidentally stumble across. Most of them are pretty, pretty terrible if you haven't heard of them oh, by they're now. Awful. Yeah, they're awful. Yeah, there's a lot of ones that are, are really bad. If if you've never heard of them by now, then they're not worth playing. <laughs> yeah, you ever get you ever want a good chuckle? Google time killers. I mean, I mean, you know, we're talking things like Primal Rage. Oh. You know, you know all those those. Well, Street Fighter did good. We're gonna put one out too. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the success of Street Fighter Two certainly spawned off just such a barrage of clone, like people trying to clone them, 
cloned them and stuff. I mean, I, I was uh, found a, a YouTube channel that I started following, and it's basically like just random three random arcade games through Mame that they're playing through just every every week or so. They're just picking, hitting random and playing it. And one of the games was clearly a Street Fighter 2 rip-off. Even they commented on it and it was like somebody that they made look like Blanca but with like uh, like Freddy Krueger glove. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. <laughs> yeah, doing that, you'll, that'll last the channel like months. Yeah. There's so much stuff on there that nobody talks about. I mean, even things that are pretty good, it's just, well, they're gone now, nobody really remembers them. There's certainly plenty of gems there that get lost because there's just so many. I uh, I had this Time Killers game, eh? <laughs> I bought it. <laughs> I yeah, just looking at the images, I'm like, oh god, I remember this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good times, man. Good times with Time Killers. Oof. Oh yeah, it was, uh, I loved doing those uh, Hadoukens with... Um, Rancid and Orion. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's fairly awful. That's quite a common thing, though. Eh? They've kind of like you do find if you play a lot of these kind of lesser known um, beam ups and stuff that y you just naturally default to Street Fighter Two uh, like button combinations. And then nine times out of ten, yeah. nine times out of ten, it pulls a move. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the highlight of that and one that um, we both it, it took us both by surprise. I want to say it's Arc Systems, but I could be wrong. It's a game called Fallen Angel or Blazing Angels or something like that. And it's really good. I mean, it looks like uh, Street Fighter Three, mm. like like beautiful art. And I'd never heard of it before. Mm, I can't say I've heard of it. No, that sounds sounds new. Is that an arcade game? Yeah. Is that Fallen Angels? Yeah. Yeah, it's a tattoo shop in Kirkcaldy. <laughs> oh, so so we, yeah, that weekend we spent in the tattoo shop. Very very good. Now, uh, Luke, what about you? Anything else striking you? Yeah, so um, one of my fondest memories was um, it was around the GameCube era. When I was in primary school, not a lot of kids in my class played games, so uh, I never really had that social circle to discuss it with. And then when I went to secondary school, I met, met some other kids that also liked to play games, and um, we slowly started doing these like uh, tournaments almost. It, it kind of started with Smash Bros uh, on the N64 and then on the GameCube. And it just slowly became, I think we started off with three of us and every couple of weeks somebody new would join in. We went through some really good games. We went through uh, Smash Bros obviously, it was brilliant. Um, Marvel vs Capcom 2 was a big one. Yeah. Uh, as, as much as the character uh, picking, like the soundtrack was so irritating after, after twenty hours of uh, what was it? I'm gonna take you to the stars or something. Oh, take I'm gonna ride. take you for a ride. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh God, don't don't open my head for another five years. Um. Yeah. What a game. We we moved on to. Uh, Naruto Clash of Ninja, which uh, one of my friends has imported from Japan. You'd think a Naruto game's not going to be really complex, but it's probably my second favorite beat em up game. There's just so much to it. It's like a four player, um, I don't know how you'd explain it. It's 3D on a 3D terrain. It's like you can move 360 of the camera, for example. And, oh, um, like Power Stone? Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. That's a that's a good that's a good one to compare it to. 
but the great thing about the game was that you could you could quickly change your target from one person to another so the game wasn't about beating one person for example it was about working with the right people at the right moment to take out the person that was probably really good at the game so um my friend's brother was just a complete monster at it he, he would kick her asses regularly so it would often become us against him and uh yeah i just have really good memories of that to the point where i bought the game from japan at something stupid like 70 quid with my own money which was a lot back then and Jeez. me and my yeah me and my brother used to just play it every night every weekend to the point where we were better than him which then led them to start practicing more my my mate and his brother so it kind of kicked off from there but um i think it kind of took a it took a really good turn when we uh, the xbox came out and my friend got one and we were all kind of you know hassling him for it because you know xbox at the time it just it didn't make sense they didn't seem to have any good games uh, and then he got Halo, and oh my god, we we just fell in love with that game. It was, it was the first competitive shooter for us, beyond GoldenEye. We got good at it, and then we heard about these uh, rival kids <laughs> in the other time that got really good at it, and uh, we had a competition. So uh, one of my friends managed to find an old Switch at his work, and we uh, we had like a LAN party, and it was us versus them. I think we won just as many times as we lo we lost, but um, at one point we had four TVs and four Xbox uh, consoles in my friend's living room. Sixteen of us playing around it, and just um, oh, it was just chaotic. And th this went on for months until we all went on to university. And yeah, some really good nights, and uh, I, I don't know if any of you guys ever got that serious into Halo or any of the other shooters but it wasn't a brilliant game in comparison to some of the stuff on the pc but at the time it was just right for consoles yeah, yeah I, I remember having going to people's halo land nights that, that was good times slight slightly more simplified version for me i think it was i think could you have connected up just two xboxes with two tvs and both on split screen four player if i remember right i believe you could yeah you could do it with a crossover cable or something. Yeah, system link or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I can't remember the map, but there was one single map which was played every time. It was, it was called, like, Blood Gulch or something like that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah that's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and that that was the one that was in rotation 90% of the time. Definitely, yeah. There was one match, I remember, that um, it was my friend and me and uh, two other guys from school against my friend's brother and his mates. And uh, it was capture the flag, I think. And one of our team was so good with a sniper rifle. And we thought we were the bee's knees with this guy. He could just kill anybody. But then we met this other guy who was really good with a sniper rifle. And it was a stalemate for, I think we played for six hours on the same match. It was just insane. We couldn't capture the flag by one of our snipers taking each other out. It, it got to the point where people were going away and microwaving a pot noodle or you know what, not making some dinner and coming back and it was still, uh, but yeah, good times. Craig? Fast forward, say, 14 odd years from, from GoldenEye Co-op after uni and after I've got money, I find myself playing Portal 2 with Luke in Co-op. <laughs> my God, that is a game that requires trust 
and patience and <laughs> the ability to communicate. You know, you wouldn't want to play it with your gran or Kev. It's something that really you really need to be able to communicate effectively. And I, I remember going through that game from the first level where you're kind of side by side in two corridors and you have to stand on a button so, it, you know, like Peabody can go through the other side. Um, and then you're Atlas and you have to, the Peabody stands on a button and you have to run through and then shoot a portal and this and that. It's fantastic. I love the portal games. I love the first game. I love Still Alive, I love Portal 2, and see that co-op, I just, I wish they would re-release or bring out a new, I know Valve aren't going to release anything with a 3 on the end of it, but if they were to do one, I would, prepare, <laughs> I would prefer it was Portal 3 than Half-Life 3, which might be, might get, might get flamed, you know, like, get trolled for that or something, I don't know, but I, I loved Portal, so um, I think it's back to that whole being cooperative cooperative gaming or playing with someone and I think it's something that's quite a thread through all the games that I enjoy playing so I just I mean look do you remember that just going through Portal I remember one of the um, one night we just could not beat a puzzle and uh, I think we both got so frustrated with it that we turned it off and then the next day we did it immediately it was just an overwhelming feeling of joy Um, yeah that, that, that is a really good gaming moment I'd have forgotten about that one uh, it's because I played it with Kev. <laughs> I know, yeah, that's, that's enough to take you off anything. No, that's, that's a wee... I work alone. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I didn't like Portal 1. I actually just don't get it. I don't like it. Portal 2, the co-op mode was legitimate fun. That was that was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only, the only thing is you can't play it again with somebody that doesn't know the solutions. Yeah. That becomes the most frustrating. Yeah. It's right there. Just figure it out. Yeah, you feel like you have to sit back and let them figure it out by themselves, which is what wouldn't happen naturally if you were to play yeah. it the yeah. first time with yeah. somebody who hadn't played it. What did you think of Portal 2 single player then? Did you not get on with that? Was it more the co-op side than the actual game itself that you enjoyed? Well, I, I kind of have the weird relationship with Portal that I do with like Oddworld. I love the game, just don't make me play it. Okay. Like, like I thought Portal Two was funny. It was it was smart. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like the game part of it. Now, I'm not a big puzzle guy. Okay, fair enough. Can't stand that kind of stuff. Being a puzzle game, that's probably going to be a major barrier in your enjoyment of the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think that. I got I got badgered into it. By my <laughs> friends like, oh, come on, we got to do it. We got to do it. Yeah. They, you know, they all call me nuts for not liking Portal One. I'm like, no, oh, it's a fine game. I just just don't like it. Nah. What did you finish it? It was it was very good. When Wheatley goes um, bad, the voice acting. <laughs> oh, you just spoiled it. I I was talking about something that was happening as we speak, oh, and you just spoiled it. Damn. Oh well. Nah. <laughs> Mike, what do you got for us? One of my most recent sort of greatest memories in gaming has been um, playing Monster Hunter, which introduced me to two good buddies, being you, Dave, and uh. Our, our good friend Grim, um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, we we met for a for a forum, and started playing from there. And it's just you know we we played hundreds of hours of things. We played what three uh, ultimate, um, yeah. I think four ultimate so far. But yeah. yeah, it's just just been every single time. It was you know learning something new, getting better, watching our our, our other good friend Carl. 
cart off so many times that it was impossible. Yeah. And then watching him. Yeah, nobody wanted to be that first cart. No, it was, it was amazing. I mean, I mean Carl, what, Carl started off as the weakest link in a way. And and the thing with Monster Hunter is we were always saying, come and join our games. When you know we're not gonna we're not gonna beat on you for being the worst in the group. But obviously, Carl was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, over time, it got to the point where we'd see him fighting, what, golden raffians and all sorts of things. And we'd all just be sat back thinking, wow, our clocks are at 140, but Carl's gone up to the plus 1,000 mark by now. Yeah, Carl quickly made us look like chumps. Pretty much. But it was, it was just a, a crazy journey. It was amazing seeing that, A, it was the first time I'd got to a, like, G rank in the games, which is an accomplishment in itself. But then to a... You know, to dedicate that much time, I think some sessions we'd sit there for like three, four hours straight together, all loading up a uh, what Google Hangouts and or whatever we could get hold of to chat through. Yeah, they were they were good times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in a way, you know, it's it's uh, it's brought community back to games for me in a big way. Yeah, before we started doing stuff like that, I was very much a solo gamer. I would have my one friend, but that's only because I knew him, you know, personally. And, and after that, it was. I mean, that's. Pretty much how I met, you know, you guys, Craig, Kev, Luke. I mean, it was through that kind of thing. I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe some people on the internet aren't so bad. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, Dave. I know Luke but... is a bit of a bad seed. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. It probably is a bit odd in a way, though. That that Monster Hunt is like, you know, in itself, you know, it's quite a niche game. It's hugely popular in Japan, pretty much. You know, it, it never makes the mark. Like when you got Monster Hunter Three come out on Monster Hunter Try, sorry, come out on the on the Wii. It, you know, I I played a bit of it. I didn't meet you guys back then, but um, you know, it's, it's crazy to see such a niche game where you think everyone's going to be a, a complete arsehole. Where uh, suddenly you meet you meet you know the best people who get to play games with for the for the foreseeable future at least. I guess yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I played Try a bit too, and and you know you you play with the guys. No, come on, come on, we got to down this thing fast. And you know, it's like, oh, dude, take your time, enjoy it. What's Monster Hunter on? Aye, what's like the latest, the latest one? Is that a three D? Is that three D? Uh, the latest one is three DS. Yes, yeah, yeah. generations. I imagine it's going to be on the NX. Yeah, I'm really hoping. My bet, yeah. I'm a bit clueless on. Mon- it seems like it's a game that's been around, been around for quite a while. But um, yeah, it slipped slipped past me. Is it kind of like a turn based, or is it just like a like like a multiplayer like versus big boss kind of game? Yeah, uh, think like four player Bloodborne, except not as fast. Yeah. And I mean, a, a, each weapon is a different move set, and each move set can really take a while to get into. Yeah. So there's a lot of kind of learning your character kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and those those very inherent Japanese game things like learning your iframes on your dodge, or it's not important, but you can see yourself getting better if you pay attention to those kind of things. Yeah, that's what's put me off those games. I've always wanted to pick one up, but then um, I remember reading some of your uh, some of your posts on the forums that we were all on, and uh, so intimidating. <laughs> it is, it is. But the the thing is, that, you know. Um, we were always willing to take people on, you know, it's like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to get the same experience solo compared to playing with, with mates on that game, you know, even if you're the weakest link for a long time, like, you know, like we said about Carl, he he just went in, he went miles ahead of everyone, but, um, 
No, no, just, you know, if, if you've got the backup, you're always going to clear something. You know, it might take three times, it might, it might take six. You might be dropping eggs um, at the very last, <laughs> last second of a, one of those really lovable egg collection quests. But um, You think with each entry it gets a little more beginner friendly? I mean, it's nothing compared to what like Monster Hunter was on PS2. Mm. No, the, uh, supposedly the latest one actually drops away um, the G-rank thing. I mean, the, the first one oh, I wow. picked up, I think, was Monster Hunter Unite on the PSP, I think it was. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I bashed into that solo. Um, I think that was a bad idea, to be honest. I, it put me off oh, Monster yeah. Hunter a little, because playing playing it solo, you just... It's, you know, it was the biggest Monster Hunter at the time. There was something like, what, probably 50, 60 huge monsters in it. All impossible. And there's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, if you hit it solo, unless you really want to put some time and dedication to it, you're really not getting anywhere. Hmm. It is uh, quite quite an ordeal. But but no, I, I really do suggest that if we do get the chance, then we uh, we all, all plump on the next Monster Hunter once it hits the, uh, the big boy consoles. Yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Looking at the game, like just watching videos of it now, it kind of reminds me of um, what was the one that came out on PlayStation Four? The one that I bought and Should no one there? else bought. Um, evolve, uh, the mo- nah. the mo- evolve. <laughs> Wait, you've got evolve? I've got evolve. Yeah, I, I I got rid of it once I realised I had no one else to play with. Because ah. try to play with, uh, yeah, try to play with randoms. It's no, it's, it's just not the same. A game seemed to flop pretty big, like, and it wasn't a bad game. I don't know. It just no, it wasn't bad. No, I think it was all that paid DLC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had so much DLC announced before the game footage was even shown. It was insane. If you don't, if you don't want to buy a 3DS and you want kind of the feel of Monster Hunter, there's a game called Tokuden Kiwami on PS4, uh-huh. and it's. Instead of it being um, like like big dragons or, or a big rhino or something like that, for Monster Hunter, it's um, it's Japanese mythological beasts and things like you know you're fighting a big ogre and things like that, and it's pr- pretty close to Monster Hunter. I actually like it a little bit more than I like Monster Hunter, but it has that exact same feel. And I know Square Enix does their God Eater series, and I think there's a couple other. It, it's starting to hit that knockoff phase. Alright, um, um, what, what I have, it's it's not exactly anything special or anything, but it's something that means a lot to me, because um, ever since my daughter was born, it's I've always had that, alright, how am I going to get her into gaming? Because, I mean, obviously it's a legacy you have to pass on. I mean, you can't just, I can't have a kid that likes sports, that's just weird. <laughs> and um, so, so through a whole bunch of machinations and trying to get her to play, hey, hey here's Mario, isn't this fun? I mean, nothing really took. Which, which is okay, that's fine. And then one day I was playing Turok on PS3. She came in the room just to see, you know, what are you playing? And um, she sits down in the chair next to me, and, and she's just watching. And, I mean, first, she's very angry because I'm shooting the baby dinosaurs. Until, you know, I showed her that the baby dinosaurs will eat my face if I don't. And at that point, she was all into it. And at some point in the game, you're fighting a big boss, and it's a dinosaur. She's getting really into it, and she's jumping up and down. Just grabbing my shoulders, yelling, Daddy, shoot it, Daddy, shoot it, Daddy, shoot it. After I finally beat the boss, she gives me a big hug and a kiss. And I was like, well, then, you know, thanks for your help kind of thing. And she just, you know, leaves the room, turns turns around and goes, 
but you're still a nerd. And then goes off and does her thing. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm pretty sure that's the best I'm going to get from my daughter about my hobby, but it, it really makes me smile every time I think about it. I'm not finding any issue with my oldest. She's six, and I put a PlayStation 3 up the stairs and just installed every roughly age-appropriate game I could off my PlayStation Plus. And she's like, Little Big Planet Carton, totally beast in that. Little Big Planet <laughs> finds that a wee bit tricky, but we've got two controllers, so I'll be doing the puzzles. And, you know, Little Big Planet, you have to grab onto dangly bits and swing about. It's, a, it's yeah. a constant, I'll jump up and grab, and then she's like, Daddy, come back and wait till I grab. So I have to swing back so that she can grab onto me, and then I do the swinging, and then she lets go at the other side, and it's kind of like a guided tour through it for her. But it's it's absolutely, I think in her eyes, it's just mind-blowing having being able to interact with the entertainment as opposed to just passively watching something yeah. on the telly. So I don't think there's going to be that much of a problem introducing gaming to children these days because it's all about the tech anyway. Like My youngest one's three, and she can pick up an iPad and go on the store and install a free game because she can do that from the age-appropriate stuff and sit and play it and you know move about icons and do whatever she needs to do. And I think these days, kids are just... It's going to become natural that they interact with technology in this way. Yeah, my niece is kind of she's she's six and she's kind of pining for uh, an Xbox One, but I think it's more to play like likes Minecraft and stuff. Which Minecraft seems to be a big thing with like kids and stuff, which is 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 not. Yeah, a button. that's the only thing that my daughter's really glommed onto is Minecraft. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you can it it can I guess the 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 plus point of that game, especially with ch- with children and stuff, it's. The imagination can just take. They can do whatever they like. No, I mean it's. Yeah. It's certainly uh, lends itself to, to the kind of younger kind of minds of just losing eye, just going with whatever. No, I mean. Yeah, it, it's almost this generation's Lego. Yeah, yeah, that's, that seems to be it. Like so, yeah, she seems to be. I think she she plays a lot of the mobile version, but like obviously, it's. I think there's it's obviously limitations on the mobile versions and stuff. She's even that age, just getting into getting into console gaming. Although I think I, th- I think there's definitely value in uh, trying to do the whole preservation stuff and sh- in in getting them to appreciate. Like uh, kids, kids nowadays can't appreciate where gaming came from and where it is to get where it is now. Certainly not to the point where like we are. No, I mean like with the, the kind of early gaming experiences and stuff, and you've seen the change over the years and stuff, so um, that, that's lost on kids of today, and it's a bit of a shame, but I think if you if you can, it's certainly worth kind of introducing them to that that kind of generations for, like, at least, at least kind of partially, if not, like, at the beginning. I kind of look at it like film, right? Like, when we were growing up, I mean, we all watched movies, but if our parents had sat us down and tried to make us watch like the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1913 or something, yeah. it, it just wouldn't have clicked. It's like, no, I want to watch Aliens yeah. kind of thing. So I, I think that's something that naturally comes with, with love of the hobby if it does click with them. But it's very hard to not shove it at people. It's like, no, 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 listen, I've had so much fun with this. This has done so much for me. I want you to have that too. And then just not come across as like an overbearing dad. Yeah. Yeah, I've had um, I have had, had problems connecting with my niece. Um, she's got, we think 
well she's got some sort of autistic uh, tendencies and um it was last year she came over for Christmas and normally she'll just go do her own thing and not really interact with anyone but um I think she noticed I had Minecraft on my PlayStation and it was great because she pulled me over and we sat together and she just created stuff and talked about it and um everyone was really surprised to see how engaging she was and uh, that that was that was really cool Minecraft has such a strong draw for children that even I, I mean it took me a while to get into Minecraft um I tried it many times I just didn't understand it but when you see a child love it you're like well okay I can get it. I can understand what what draws them to it yeah, I, I wish I could appreciate Minecraft as much as my daughter. <laughs> we, we've had some fun playing Minecraft, and it is like watching a kid play it. They build these monstrosities of glass, rainbow-coloured buildings, and then just yeah. when they've got something beautiful, they fill it full of TNT and blow it up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, can I get another world? Can it just start again? And like, All right, then. But it is, it's like, it's like unhinged creativity. But when we play it, I mean, we've crafted some beautiful castles with, I mean, Kev's down in the dungeon organising <laughs> all our inventory by box and alphabetical Label, order. Labels. <laughs> ah, good man, good and, man. And, you know, like, we've got a glass walkway and, and it's, it's, we stales off down to an underground mine and everything's perfect and it's it's great it's just a really relaxing thing to do and it is a bit it's lego-ish it's it's cooperative lego and i can't see yeah. i can't see us sitting around the table and building a castle with lego and me with the wee lego batman and you know like you with the wee lego emma and me going hello Emmett, where are we going to do today <laughs> <laughs> you know like I'd pretend walking down the stairs but it's it's almost exactly what we're doing, but just in a game. Yeah. <laughs> All right, before we close out the show, we'll, we'll go around the table one more time. Craig, what about you? Eh, I don't have any more memories. <laughs> Plum tuckered out. <laughs> no, okay. Um, I, 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 in thinking about, speaking about this, I made a note of a few game-specific memories. So I already spoke about when I got a Mega CD and you know, like GoldenEye multiplayer and stuff, but there was a few kind of key moments in gaming that I thought kind of struck struck a chord in my brain, and I couldn't figure out which one to talk at length about. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I ha thought Bioshock 1 was one of the most beautiful games in the world ever, and see you crash in a plane or whatever, and you're swimming in fire, and the, the water physics are beautiful and everything looks great. And then you jump in a wee pod randomly. Um, and then when you sink into Rapture, that first shot where you're descending into darkness and Rapture is just lit up underneath the sea was just like one of the pinnacle moments of my gaming career. I was just like, oh my God, that is beautiful. Um, so that that was that. That was kind of like the, my first thought on that. Um, other standout moments that I can think of was the end of Red Dead Redemption when you are ultimately betrayed by that not very nice ranger and you bust out of the barn with your dead eye on, but you, there's no way you can kill like a line of 20 guys. Oh, oh, it was beautiful. Oh, and it was just, it was just like heartbreaking. And it kind of, when it happened, I was just like another moment where I was just like in shock. My jaw hit the ground. I was just like, 
Uh, I, I, I love those moments in the games, and they're few and far between, where you're feeling exactly the same thing as the protagonist. Yeah. You just get that, ah. Oh. Sinking feeling. It was the build-up to it that was brilliant as well. You you return to normality for John to life that he probably didn't deserve. You you could tell the game was going to do something, but you didn't know what it was going to do. And then when it happened, it was brutal. I know, because otherwise, why why were you rounding up cattle? You're rounding up cattle with Jack, that whiny voice. And I see, yeah, I, I thought the wife and the kid were going to bite it, not yep. you. Yeah, exactly. Um, it led quite nicely into the undead <laughs> yeah. DLC. That was fantastic. That was just fantastic that was as really well. Good. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that that's me. I didn't I didn't have a lot else to say. I didn't, I didn't have any really standout gaming moments. Uh, Kev, what about you? My last one I'd go for uh, would be my uh, Bartob arcade that I built. Quite a lot of time, quite a lot of effort, but. Uh, yeah, it's pr- it's pretty sweet having a an arcade machine at home. Like, so I went for like uh, a Weekade. I know it's it's technically it's a bar top, but I think Weekade's like a bit of a kind of the the kind of known name, certainly on the website where I got all the kind of building information and design tips and stuff. Um, I mean, you can build the bar tops pretty straightforward if you buy the flat packs online, but. Me being me, I decided I needed to build everything uh, by hand. (laughs) So I thought if I'm going to do it once, then I'll do it all myself. Uh, In hindsight, I think I wouldn't do it again just because of the amount of time. Maybe it was the lack of space that I've got. But yeah, it was was one of these projects that I thought would take maybe one, two months maybe. Uh, Ended up taking me... Nearly two years to finish it. <laughs> Various stages of packing it up and, and disassembling it and basically putting it away uh, and coming back to later dates. But uh, I finally made a push. I think I finished it maybe maybe a year ago. Again, if I, if I was going to make a new uh, another one, a second one, I'd probably take a different approach and just buy the buy the flat pack pre-cut uh, the cabinets at least. Now, now, did you go the um, standard like um, a joystick six button setup, or do you have a trackball in there? Yeah, well, the, there's various setups. You can, well, you can set it up however you like. Um, WeeKid has actually got the two player one, player two, and it's just a four button setup. But I went for uh, like a Street Fighter uh, two setup, so I think it's six buttons. Yeah, I kind of prefer the six button. It just it it just lends itself to more games. I mean, there's not very many games that play with more than six buttons, so yeah. might as well go with the go with the six button six button option. But how will you play all those amazing Mahjong games? Part of the challenge challenge throughout the project was that the the hard drive I had that had all my emulators and games and stuff saved on it. Including the the, the hyperspin kinda front end, uh, the disc actually failed oh, so okay. Yeah, so I had to buy a new disc, hard disk, and I was kind of trying to reset up Hyperspin, Hyperspin from scratch. It's not the easiest thing to set up. So I decided to go with, uh, I found another front end, which is Launchbox. I'm not sure if, if you've heard of Launchbox before. I think it's actually, I do actually think it's an American guy that develops it. I, I've I've heard of it, yeah. I tend to use, uh, what is it, MameUI FX? Yeah, yeah. But Launchbox, it's like... It's, it's super easy to use and super easy to kind of import your library of games. And it downloads all the box arts and stuff. 
Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. It's you have to pay for it. I think it's like twelve pounds, and you get all the like full support for a year. I think it is. Oh, that's not bad. Like, I think if you pay fifty, it's like lifetime. Like you you never have to pay for any upgrades again. Now the most important question, sir. When you got it all finished and set up, what was the first thing you booted up? That was the problem because I was so because because I was kind of getting into it. I like. And it, the the build of it was drawn out and stuff like that, and it was taking longer and longer to finish it. I was actually playing it like even though it was like still in bits. <laughs> like I would just I would have like oh, a sh- okay. I had the shell, I had the monitor, and I had the the control panel set up and stuff. But it was like all kind of ready to just take part again because I hadn't painted the cob or kind of put any of the decal or anything on it yet. So, um, yeah, I, I played it in various uh, stages of the building process, but um. I'm trying to think. It would definitely. I think it would probably have been. I guess it probably would have been Street Fighter Two, maybe Turbo. Or ah, good man. It would be. It would. It would have been one of the obvious ones. I remember the first time I started uh, goofing around with Mame, The first thing I booted up was Darkstalkers because I'd always seen it in the arcades and I never got around to playing it. Yeah, so that would be. That would be my my last one, and probably it's probably my most kind of recent, and obviously being something that I did from start to finish. Um, yeah, I don't normally finish things. Including games, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I pushed through the barrier on this one. All right, Mike, what do you got winding down? Okay, well, my um, I think my final memory is going to have to be uh, of a time when I owned a PlayStation and I I enjoyed everything it had. I, I think I played, you know, a good good breadth of of what was available on the system, but there was always another system in the corner. Well, well, actually, there was an N64 in the corner, which was a... I was going to say, it's always Nintendo, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I think I started with Lilith Wars and and things on that with the Rumble Pack and things. Uh, All awesome, but the one which escaped my my grasp was the Sega Saturn. So, I didn't actually get a Sega Saturn, but in a kind of consolation prize, I decided that I'd started a. I'd started my first job. I was getting paid paid quite well. I was doing college and and working at the same time. Wanted to go. In fact, both did eventually. But um, <laughs> I, I actually picked up a, a Dreamcast at the height of it, and uh, it was the craziest decision ever. Uh, in in weird ways, you know, I was I was getting a Power Stone, Sonic, um, the VMU, which I had. I'd treasure, I'd take that around everywhere with me playing the little uh, uh, plane <laughs> game on Power Stone, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, I'd, I mean, there were other crazy things I was buying at the time. Donkey Kong 64, which I never even paid or even played, um, despite getting the expansion pack, which I used for Perfect Dark and things. Uh, yeah. I got myself a copy of Soldier of Fortune, a Californication album by Red Hot Chili Peppers, all sorts of random stuff. But but the one that sits that sits there the most is the uh, the Dreamcast. So I, you know, it it just became my go to system. It was a it was the shortest romance I had with a system. Um, but everything was there. I was playing. Um, you know, I was starting off on pretty good stuff like a I don't know Blue Stinger. Which was a wow. <laughs> debate deb- debatably good. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been a while since I've heard from Blue Stinger. Yeah, but uh, well, uh, Power Stone, I was, I was playing away at that every day. Um, I just couldn't get bored of it. And then Soul Calibur came, which was uh, yeah, brilliant. pretty much the most powerful exclusive title at the time, I think. Um, and 
really it still really looks really good. good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, being that it's old? still awesome. Yeah. Did you buy it for a specific game? Or did you, um, um, was it just to experience the library? I was, well, I was kind of intrigued with a, a Code Veronica, if I remember right. I think knowing that that was going to be a, a Sega, Sega exclusive title, when we'd seen all the uh, previous Resident Evils sort of predominantly on the PlayStation, it was kind of a, was, and, and then of course, you know, you've seen the Model 3 stuff in the arcade, so, I mean, even, even though stuff like Scud Race and Daytona 2 never came to the uh, Dreamcast, that promise was always there. And you'd even, yeah. even see things like Spike Out, which I, I'm not sure where that went, I think it got some sort of Xbox release, which was probably a bit crummy, but... I don't know. I don't know. There's there's all sorts of things floating around. Then you see Shenmue in the background. Shen, Shenmue looked amazing, but it wasn't exactly what I was there for. Uh, once I heard Street Fighter 3 was getting a home port, you know, I'd, I'd sealed the deal. I'd bought the console I wanted. And even even as it died, and I was receiving my copy of Choo Choo Rocket through the post. It was a great game. <laughs> I, uh, I was I was still, you know, enamored with the machine. It was, it was amazing. And even after the, the PS2 had arrived... It was still still set up in the corner of the room, and it enjoyed that place for years to come. Yeah, there's there's still a lot of games for it that haven't been um, ported to anything else. Like I don't think, uh, what is it, Rival Schools one and two? Yeah, I don't think they've ever really yeah. made it off there. Mm. Oh, there's there's everything to choose from. Yeah, like Ikaruga. Luckily, Ikaruga made it off there. Yeah, funnily enough, I didn't even play that until the GameCube version. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm an idiot. I meant Radiant Silver Gun. Duh. Oh, oh no! Radiant Silvergun was the uh, the Saturn, I think. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, but it it did get an Xbox release. Yeah, yeah, I've, but, I've uh, played it since then. No, no, no. You know, everything was good about the Dreamcast, and uh, I'm gonna treasure it forever. I don't think anyone can take that away from me. The Dreamcast was really exciting. I I, th- I think it's one of my favorite consoles as well. Um, it it just. It was such a return to form from Sega. Really? The, um, it was it was it was just brilliant. Everything just felt right on it, and then unfortunately, uh, Sega pulled the plug. But yeah, I think my Dreamcast is one of my most prized possessions, even now, though it doesn't work anymore. And see, I always I always bumped up against the um, the Sega made games that are very much the arcade experience, mm-hmm. and that that's why I skipped the Dreamcast, and I regret skipping it at the time. But, like, sure, it'd be awesome to play Daytona at home or, you know, Virtua Tennis or something like that. But it's just, ah, crap. PlayStation 2's got games that are going to last me for hundreds of hours kind of thing. And, I mean, yeah, I, re- I regret it. We we still have, have Res getting re-released today, So I mean, in, in these times. So, uh, you know, it, yeah. it lives on in, in spirit. I'm sure a Seaman, yeah, yeah. A, a Seaman sequel's going to appear one day somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, even weird stuff like what was it, uh, Samba de Amigo? That made it to Wii at least. Mm-hmm. No, it's a uh, quite quite an odd game. Although you, you do have things like Donkey Konger and things, I guess. Yeah. All right, Luke, you're up next. What do you got for us? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put World of Warcraft. Um, not not the game for say the game came out for me at the right time. Um. But it's the relationships with people I made in that game that I still I still speak to the people I I, uh, I befriended in the the first um, the original release of Warcraft. Um, so when I started World of Warcraft, 
it was just amazing at the, at the time it was just something unreal so many people could play it once you could work together you could you could kill people if you wanted that you you'd randomly encounter but to begin with i didn't really get on with world of warcraft i i, I picked a night elf and um i just didn't make any social like world of warcraft's all about the social side for me anyway and i didn't make any of those those friendships so um I decided to give it one last chance and I, I changed to the, the Horde and picked an undead character. And um, I met a guy, his name was Drog, I think. Um, I met a guy, he, I met him pretty early on in the in leveling up to 60. We are still really good friends today. So that was back in, what, 2008? One of my, my favourite moments in that game was... Um, as you level up, you, you meet new people. And we formed a guild together. And um, we went to this big raid. Um, so raid in World of Warcraft at that time is absolutely insane. But basically you had to gather 39 other people. And you'd spend probably five to six hours, three or four nights a week, trying to defeat this big dungeon. The, one at the, the first one at the time was called Molten Core. I can't believe I managed to dedicate that amount of time to it when I was that age, but um, we managed to keep, to beat the, the boss, Ragnaros. Um, it took us, I think, four weeks, and what an achievement that was. Yeah, I don't know if any of you guys played World of Warcraft. I think it's one of those things you've had to have done it to kind of appreciate it, but... I've I've never played it, but the, the, the thought or the, the task of arranging 40 people to be anywhere at one <laughs> yeah. time sounds oh, monumental. <laughs> it was worse than you think. Like, you'd go to start a boss encounter and, you know, a boss encounter could take up to 30 minutes of pure concentration. Um, if one person in the team messed up, then everybody died. But you'd quite often get somebody needs to go to the toilet just before your way to start or somebody disconnects from the internet connection. And God, but um, it's hard to believe that that was even a thing back then. It doesn't sound possible when you talk about it, but the sense of achievement of working in this big team as a unit and and defeating quite a difficult boss at the time. I think I think I read somewhere that only ten percent of players that played at that time beat Molten Core. Oh yeah, Raggy was a brick wall, man. Yeah, and I mean I didn't even join until um the AQ patch. I want to say it was one point eight or something yeah. like that. And that's when I started. And even then, I mean, it, it was still a nightmare to get up there. And I mean, you're right about it being social. If, if you're a very introverted person and you decide to play Warcraft, nowadays it's a little better, but then it would have been the most boring thing you've ever done in your life. Yeah, I went I went back to Warcraft and um, for the Legion patch, and it was quite surprising. Like, So I, I maybe was really good friends with up to 10 people on that game. And I came back on expecting maybe to see one of them. And there was seven of them still playing. And we were still speaking like we were back in the day when we were, you know, 20 years old and such. So that friendship's never really been lost. Some of us still speak in Facebook and stuff. So it is, it was a unique experience and I don't think it will happen again. I think World of Warcraft came out at the right time. Other MMOs have been better, but they just can't get the player base um, because it's such a time now, commitment. Now, sir, that's fighting words. <laughs> oh, where are we going with this? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, other than Final Fantasy XIV, I think WoW is, is still 
top of the shelf. Yeah, I, I don't think anything will replace it. I think it's going to go on forever. I think once once WoW dies, that's when the genre really starts to take a hit yeah. and die. Because, I mean, sure, you got your 300,000 people that still play EverQuest 1, but nobody can support anything on that. Just to kind of put into perspective, so um, Ragnaros was this um, was the boss at the end of the dungeon, and um, what would happen is you'd have to spend you'd have to spend uh, possibly nights just trying this guy and dying. So I think it took us two weeks of just just going for this one guy to get him. On the first time we we killed him, um, it was just eruption of like cheers and laughter on the the voice chat and uh we we got the rare uh the rare mace or the race rare sword i can't remember one the legendary and then uh, the guy drog that oh the sulfurian hammer yeah yeah the guy drog that i played with from the beginning he he won the role for it so it, it kind of had an even like more special touch to it but i i guess it's quite difficult to understand oh, cool. unless you've played something of that scale um it sounds a bit crazy when i talk about it now I get you, man. Yeah, I, I know what you went through. <laughs> Just to go off, off Luke's points, yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's so many things it does right. I mean, the the music to that game sticks in my head for, for ye- well, it has stuck in my head for years. And uh, I, I'm, I might have been a, a, a tailblazer, I'd guess. You know, I'd, what, what I usually do with MMOs is I'll jump in after expansions just to hoover up the earlier expansions to make them easier. But, yeah. But it is, you know, you you go through them and you're seeing all these, all these, you know, like uh, items which were once cherished so highly, and you sort of like, you know, you'll you'll the the crazy chats you get into with people, you know, they go to such depths that it's like, oh, you weren't there when vanilla was about, yeah. or when uh, you know, Burning Crusade became, you know, a, a crazy crazy PvP battle, and I I well, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but. You know, there's there's memories attached to everything in that game. See, it's funny you say that. Like, so um, basically, each dungeon, each raid, would have an equivalent armor set for it, and um, that's what made you stand out from the rest of the players. So, um, I can't even remember what it was called. I know tier two was Bloodfang, but I can't remember what tier one was. Tier three Paladin was was top top. Yeah. Man. I mean, anybody walk by with that stuff, you go, oh, look at that. I, I got most of the rogue kit. I played a rogue for um, tier one. And you'd walk through the, the areas where everybody would go and, you know, just congregate. And it was almost like you were a celebrity. It's a bit funny to say it like that, but, you know, you'd get people, like, following you to look at all your items and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Uh, but, um, yeah, when I went to pa- play World of Warcraft... Um, when Legion came out, I found myself doing a couple levels and thinking, okay, this is just the same as it was, but I went back and you can go back and get all the old armor sets and stuff. So basically I just spent, I think I spent 30 hours with Legion and I just went through all the old dungeons that I never managed to achieve in the raids and like checked out all the armor sets and stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm pretty weird doing this, but when I was speaking to the guys I used to play with, that's all they were doing as well. None of them were interested in leveling up. They just wanted to see all the dungeons they'd missed, which was uh, which was quite funny. But how, how many gold, uh, gold gold peasants did you get? Gold what? <laughs> <laughs> how many little? How many uh, low level alts did you get asking you for ten gold? Oh yeah. 
couple of hundred to keep him. I never had any money. My brother always went on to my account and stole it. <laughs> are, are you talking about like online Warcraft beggars? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Dance on the mailbox yeah. naked. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. In Stormwind. You? Although, hang yep. on, that's the big question. Horde or Alliance? Uh, both. Oh. Okay. You can't. You, you, sorry, the, the line's got to be drawn in the sand somewhere. Man. You have uh, to swear allegiance. Okay, hard. Long. All right. Okay, I'll accept it. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I feel like I've totally geeked out there, but uh, yeah, we're gonna go play some Warcraft, guys. So good chat. <laughs> See you next month. All right. Yeah, I, I guess I'll I'll close it out with my last big thing that I remember, and um, I'll take you back to a magical time, gentlemen. Uh, around two thousand one ish i think I, I just started working a full-time job and of course that doesn't mean i can put money away that means i can now get whatever i want i didn't have enough money to buy a playstation 2 and, and all the magazines were talking about onamusha and how you had to play it and this is amazing so uh for my birthday my uh my parents said you know i could rent a console and um i told them okay if you guys could rent me the PlayStation, I'll pay for the, you know the controller and and the game, because all they would give you was just the uh, just the console with the cords needed to plug it in and the AV cables, and uh, I, I didn't think to buy a memory card. <laughs> so so I get home, uh, Onamusa just just blows my mind. I mean it, it is it is a fantastic game, and uh, after about five six hours of sitting there, I'm ready to go to sleep, and it's like. Oh no! So, so I, I, you know, I did turn it off, go to work the next day, come home, play through again, and I ended up playing through most of that game like six times Whoa. before I finally got got to slam it all in one playthrough. <laughs> and I mean, even now, I, I can still I can sit down and blast that thing in about three hours. But I, uh, yeah, just just the the playing that game over and over and over again, and I still love it. I still think it's one of my favorite PS2 games. Every time I see Onamusha or somebody mention, you know, hey, you remember that? It's like, yeah, I remember that. That was good times. And I had I had rented probably three or four other games with it. Didn't touch a single one. That's funny that you were like almost forced to speedrun a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. I don't ever want to do it again. But yeah, I learned quickly that things need memory cards. Yeah, that's a game I miss. So um, I've heard good things about it, though. The whole series, man. They're, other than that, they're weird. Like, do you remember um, Beautiful Joe Red Hot Rumble? That four-player kind of Smash yeah. Brothers thing. Yeah. They made a game like that with Onimusha, and that's probably the weakest link. But even uh, the Game Boy game, Onimusha Tactics, really good tactical game. Mm. But yeah, one, game, two, and three. I mean, Advance, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has Jean Reno in three. I mean, and everybody loves Jean Reno, so so you gotta play it. I never played the last one though, or the uh, Onimusha. Is it Dreams something? Oh, Dawn of Dreams. Dawn of Dreams, yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was an oddball one. Uh, I I don't think it was as good as one, two, or three, but it was still good. And I mean, I am a bit biased because it is a Capcom game, but I still rank that up as some of my best PlayStation Two games. I'm curious to know what are your thoughts on two. Oh, oh, oh! I love. I mean, I didn't like changing the main character, but but as a whole, the the whole thing they did with the um the companions and and the gifts and how the storyline can branch. 
depending on who you befriend. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, uh, I think I think two's the the one that takes takes my uh, my crown for the the series. But I'm, you know, yeah. It, yeah, I, th- I don't. I can't say that the the first one is is the objectively better game. It's just the one I have the most memories attached to, and so that's why I just play it more. Cool, cool, cool. I think you might be right though. Two is generally considered the best in the series. Two or three. All right. All that's really left for me to do is thank everybody for showing up. So, so, Luke. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Craig. Thanks for having me, Dave. Oh, it was my pleasure, sir. All right, Kev? Yeah. Thanks. Mike? Thank you for listening to my ramblings. It's been much appreciated. Yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if anybody does, I mean... No, no, I'm thanking far, you, then... Dave. I'm thanking you. Oh, I got, I got nothing better to do. All right, um, I guess we'll see you next week. And um, don't forget to sign up for our Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Mega... Twitter. Thing. That we might have at some point. Do we have a social media manager yet? You said it last. <laughs> You're it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll be sponsored soon. So, so we'll have them take care of all of that. But alright, yes. Thank you very much for listening, everybody.
front of a runaway train Aching chest and blood aside.